everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Ryan McDermott. Ryan, do you want to say hello? Hey, everyone. It's good to be back on. Yeah, we had you on episode 259 talking about clean code JavaScript, which was, if I remember right, um, a GitHub repo that you had posted a bunch of stuff in and was really cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was, uh, I think, yeah, it was beginning of 2017, and I posted that after kind of rereading clean code um, again, and I had been doing a lot of JavaScript and, and still do, and I noticed that there wasn't an adaptation for a lot of those concepts, and a lot of folks, I think, were kind of unfamiliar with some of the features of Java and some of the, the notions therein, so I thought, well, you know, it'd be a good adaptation, and and I think a lot of people still get value out of it, actually. I still get people pull requesting and opening issues. So I'm glad it's, it's got some legs. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Yeah, it's always nice to have resources out there that kind of give people the, the I guess, the, the practical side of whatever it is that they're reading or working through. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and when we talked, I think in, in uh, 2017, you were working at Google. Are you still there? Yeah, still am. A oh, good deal. Um, and we'll probably get to that a little bit later in your story. But uh, yeah, is there anything else you got going on these days that you want to just highlight real quick? Or yeah, I I was uh, talking to you before the show started. We were talking about uh, you know non technical interests and such and. I was mentioning, you know, I think one of the things I had noticed at the beginning of this year was I, I was been so focused on technical things for almost the last 10 years, reading, you know, algorithms books or reading the latest new framework, JavaScript framework news and whatnot. And uh, so I started kind of getting off of Twitter and getting away from some podcasts and not reading as many technical things and reading more nonfiction and fiction. But uh, at the beginning of this year, I posted a repo um, under Google's account on GitHub. Uh, it's called Intermock. And I've actually been using that quite a bit. Uh, it's really good for basically taking TypeScript interfaces and then generating fake data for that. So if you have some sort of contract between your back end and your front end that's, that's typed, you can get uh, a lot of good uh, mock data for testing and such. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been very useful for me. Cool. Well, um, let's jump in and talk a little bit about you and about your, your journey into coding. Um, just to get us started, I'm curious, how did you get into programming? Well, winding back the clock to probably when I was born, uh, my parents, uh, they 
they met on the job. They were both uh, basically software engineers, uh, although I don't think that was the job description at the time in the 1980s. And my dad would was doing everything from, you know, electrical engineering on large VLSI transistors and such. And my mom was doing some low-level driver kernel work. And I believe it was, a, it was at Motorola. And yeah, they, they basically throughout my childhood, throughout my life have been, you know, certainly very pro-education, pro-tech. And so I was privileged in that respect that they talked a lot about it. And then I got a computer, a ThinkPad when I was nine, I believe it was. And it was one of those old ones that was really bulky. It had a pointing stick. I don't know if you remember what that was. There was a little, little, like not the trackpad, but a little mouse that was like in between your H and your N key. Yeah, the little nub that was in there. Yeah, the nub. And um, that was was the kind of uh, technology exists. Of course, and beyond that, as far as internet goes, it was all dial-up. And so I was living on that for, you know, till I was from like age nine to... 13 or 14 and then we finally got broadband in but I was playing around with computers I wouldn't say I was programming anything of consequence or importance um, I my dad gave me a Perl book um, this was old school Perl so this was like before classes I think they've kind of um, changed up some of the language semantics and syntax but this was old Pearl and uh, I haven't touched it since, but the joke probably maybe still stands that it was write only. And, you know, he would write the oh, code and still hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think there's, it's, it's can be that way in many languages, but for me with Pearl and maybe still so is it was very difficult to grok some of the syntax. And so I think that was probably for the first few years, what I was, playing around with again nothing of real consequence it was just sort of my free time outside of school and uh it was also you know i would say a little discouraging to like i mentioned because it was right only i thought oh my god if this is what all of programming is like i don't know if i can make it not to not not to disrespect pearl or anything like that yeah it, it is interesting though i know a number of people that either got into programming learning pearl or got their career like once they knew how to code they their career kind of took off when they started learning Perl because there was a time period where that was actually a really big deal mm-hmm. yeah and it was at the at that point in time Perl had I don't know if there was necessarily frameworks but they had a pretty good CGI uh, extension so you could effectively write code um, towards Apache there wasn't too much setup. It wasn't as easy as PHP, um, where you could just directly code um, and, and do it live on the, in production. But it was a pretty easy way of interfacing. But of course, like I mentioned, with the caveat of the language being somewhat obtuse. So you get into programming, what kinds of things did you build? I was playing around for most of the time. And then when I was about 13, I think like a lot of folks that you might have talked to that they really liked, uh, you know, computer gaming. I had built mm-hmm. my own PC with my friends and I was interested in that. And so I was trying to build a submarine game because someone told me, hey, the only languages they, they program in for games are C and C++. 
you can forget all that Perl stuff. So I started programming C uh, and a little bit of C++. And I was trying to build that submarine game because I was very into ships and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I didn't, I did not get very far on that. Um, what I found at the time, and I can elaborate more on this in a sec, was there was just not a lot of resources. So it, it really was a lot of blind alleys poking around. There wasn't too many frameworks. There was Steam at the time. Um, I believe it was, maybe it was Half-Life Engine. I forget what it was. There was an open source engine and they kind of abstracted some things, but you know, you had to know classes and object oriented programming and I had no clue how to even approach it. And I think after a couple of years, I just got so incredibly discouraged. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even I didn't even know how to do anything with you know Malik and I barely knew the terminal I kept forgetting what ls meant and how to how to how to navigate that so I think after a while it was it just got discouraging and and I can elaborate more about you know thinking retrospectively why that might be and 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 why I'm kind of I'd say pretty jealous of people starting now but that that was the genesis and um I I think it after I was 15 or 16 or so, um, I tried to take uh, the AP computer science test and I did just miserably. I think I got like a, a one or a two out of five. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that was, that was definitely not going to cut it for anything like college, much less any kind of praise from others. So I, I kind of thought, you know, maybe, maybe this whole programming thing is not for me. I put it on the back burner. I was still doing, um, some websites and I was doing computer repair. Mm -hmm. I'd always been interested in it, but that's kind of where I, I left off. Interesting. It's, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, I think people get this idea that you, you either have it or you don't. Right. Or, you know, and so if you're the, the genius level person that can become a programmer that, you know, you're just going to walk in and be able to just write code. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people don't give a lot of credit to the idea that, you know what, I'm going to have to struggle through some of this. I mean, everything else in life's that way, right? To a certain degree, if I really want to master this, I'm going to have to struggle through some of it. And mm -hmm. coding's not much different. So if you're interested in it, stick it out and see where you wind up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I, you know, into that point, I think I was pretty inculcated with that, that notion that, this was a thing that geniuses did or something to that extent. And, you know, that's certainly not the case then. It's definitely not the case uh, now. Right. And I, I just, I, I got, yeah, I got so discouraged because it was, it was like dancing or singing or math or painting. A lot of these kinds of crafts and such where you're, you're constantly told, well, there's the Einsteins and the Picassos and I'm sorry, you're just, you're not one because we don't, we don't see you you know, proving relativity theory on day one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. People get that idea in their head and that's it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they also don't realize that Einstein and Newton and a lot of these other, you know, people that we kind of hold up as geniuses, they spend a lot of time working through those theories and they probably had a bunch of ideas that didn't work out. It just, mm -hmm. you know, eventually there was, okay, 
I've kind of worked my way around and I think I have a theory that works. And then you get the theory of relativity. But mm-hmm. Einstein wasn't a young man when he came up with it. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's, you know, with, with programming, much like science, uh, there's a huge amount of things that are stacked on top of each, uh, on top of each other. So I, I'd mentioned math uh, is one of those things. And I think computer uh-huh. science being sort of a branch of that. Uh, there's, it's very deductive and conceptual and it builds on, on, on layers and the software abstractions themselves to do the same thing. And what that means is there's this gradual accretion over time of things you got to know. And some things are abstracted, things like TCP IP. And I can go on and elaborate more about kind of when I started learning all this stuff that, you know, that stuff can be abstracted a little bit and you can kind of not worry as much about the details. But there's so many things that come up and when you deal with tools that at least at the time for me were certainly not developer friendly, uh, user friendly, it it gets so defeating because you're just constantly running into walls and it really does take much, much more so than anything like a genius intelligence. It just takes so much confidence and discipline to, to push past all that. Yep. So how did you get around it? Because, you, you know, you said that you kind of got to the point where it got hard and you were thinking this might not be for me. So, so what did you do? Because I'm pretty sure the story ends with you being a software developer. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, it was like 15 or 16 at the time. Like I mentioned, I got like a, you know, one or two on my test. And, you know, coming from my background, my parents, you know, they were very pro tech, as uh-huh. I mentioned. So. I think it was, you know, probably a little disappointing to them. And I think I kind of internalized more so any of their kinds of remonstrances towards that. I think I internalized a lot of, like I had mentioned, the kind of defeating ideas that I had had and the experiences and the failure and, and, and the imposter syndrome that I think a lot of people still deal with, unfortunately. And I probably went about four or five years where I went into college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My kind of main love, passion side stuff was programming. And I thought, well, I can't, I can't do this. Um, so all the while I was studying things like philosophy, um, some mathematics, uh, logic and such. So I was still very much in the domain of kind of deductive uh, reasoning, which uh, as I, I can go on and describe was, was actually pretty helpful. Um, incidentally, but it, it really took until I was halfway through college and I was staring at debt and I was staring at what am I actually going to do with my life that I think people are, you know, constantly go through. And that was when I was like, well, maybe I should just give this uh, a literal college try. Maybe I should actually, you know, try to read some books, try to start from first principles and relearn everything and see where I get. And that was when I was was about 20, 21. And I have not looked back since, but that was the the very, I would say the real beginning to my story. I love it because basically what it was, and and I, again, I just encourage people. It's like, you know, if there's a particular place you want to go, I mean, go try, right? And I just love that. You, You know, you gain the confidence by going out and trying it. You know, mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, you know, I'm not happy where I am, so I'm going to go try and do the thing that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, 
Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have too many mentors either, which that's one thing I'd, I'd recommend to anyone is, is try to find people. I think Twitter, um, you know, as, as much noise and such as there can be on social media, there's a lot of really helpful folks, uh, including myself. I really like when people reach out. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there that will help you. And there's so, my goodness, there's so many more resources now. You know, when I was just starting just to play with it, you know, 15 years ago, as it were, I mean, there was not GitHub, there was not, uh, there was not YouTube, there was not, uh, there was O'Reilly books, uh, but there was not a lot of easy tooling. It was on, it was on Windows, no offense to anyone using that, but it was, it was much harder on XP in those days. Mm -hmm. Um, my goodness, it was, it was so difficult to just cobble together the things that you needed. Now I think it's gotten a lot better. Um, and like I said, I'm very, I'm very jealous of people starting now, but I think, I think notwithstanding that there's still always going to be this pressure from the ideas you have about what you should be. And there's always going to be this, this pressure that you have about, you know, not, not failing. And you're going to fail so many times. I mean, so many times it's not going to compile. You're going to see some, you know, null or undefined is not a function. It's, it's going to happen constantly. And you just have to, you just have to remember, like we were saying, no one, you know, proves relativity theory on day one. It just takes, it just takes that 10,000 hours just to get even close. Yep, absolutely. So I'm, I'm kind of going to move us on a little bit. I'm curious how you've gotten into JavaScript then. So when I was, yeah, 2021, I started doing websites for folks and this was in WordPress, you know, PHP and just some straight HTML on, you know, live in production. And it was somewhere around the time after that where a few friends of mine had an idea to do um, effectively some social film creation site um, app. And I, I was I'm still very interested in film stuff and, and arts, and I liked all that. So I thought, oh, we, we try this. And I was, this was about 2012, so this is before React. And I picked up uh, AngularJS, and I started playing with that. We started building out, um, effectively, yeah, like a spa uh, app. And it felt so much better than a lot of the other things that I was using at the time, certainly than like PHP. And that was probably the, the first moment. And then after that, um, we, didn't, we didn't raise enough money, as is the case with many startups. And I joined another startup. Um, and there, we were very focused on, on JavaScript-related things because it was an old Flash application. And that was when I really, really started to learn a lot. And we rebuilt a really complex mapping platform application, and we built it, you know, from the ground up in uh, in JavaScript, and it was it was a wonderful learning experience. Nice, you built it from the ground up using JavaScript. We're using Angular there as well. We used uh, Backbone, and you know, I think I, I could go into it more about uh, what I learned after you get to some order of magnitudes of lines, but it was, it started to not uh, scale. So we, we kind of mm-hmm. cobbled uh, together some solutions on top of that that I thought were, were pretty good. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of the, we, we certainly did use a lot of libraries. Uh, there's no way around that. So 
you know, you can't, you can't make anything from scratch unless you make the universe. So we used a lot of stuff, but it was, uh, you know, I, I really didn't know how to build a huge software application. And that was, that was the time I learned it. Well, I think in that era when, um, uh, when Backbone was really big and people were using it, a lot of people were figuring out how to build those big JavaScript applications. Because before then, you would just kind of sprinkle jQuery through to make things work. And then all of a sudden, you had this, um, this means of organizing and thinking about your code that allowed you to get a more complex app without necessarily scaling the complexity of what you had to understand in order to make it work. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, the, the explicit separation of, in effect, it was model view controller. Um, the explicit separation was, that was a first for me um, when I learned that. And I, in effect, uh, we, we basically would um, lay out, you know, in, in terms of design, what is a model going to look like? What is a controller going to look like? How we communicate? And I had done some jQuery before. And like you said, things were very coupled. Your jQuery code would have all this knowledge of your DOM. There was mm-hmm. maybe an event system perhaps, but y- you always knew like if I, if I press this button, it would follow this code path and it would have all this domain knowledge about what's on this page and what this widget does. And that, you know, by definition, that high degree of coupling, which jQuery couldn't really give you any tools to, to get around. That, that was kind of this natural conclusion and that, that's what didn't scale. Right. So you, you're working in JavaScript, you know, you work at a startup, doesn't quite take off. You work at the other startup. Did that one take off or? Yeah, we did, we did pretty well. And, you know, we raised more money and got a lot more customers. And with that, you know, we got a lot more feature requests and all that kind of really good positive uh, feedback that you know you need as product developers we we got that and you know i think at some point excuse me i think at some point it was like tens of thousands of lines i don't i don't quite recall and that was the first moment when i kind of realized oh my goodness i i've made something i can't keep all in my head and it it was you know a lot of it was my own work and so that was another impetus to get into clean code to learn about strong type systems to learn about really, really focused test driven development. Um, that, that was a really big catalyst because when you can't understand your own program I and mean, how is anyone else going to understand it? Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and I mean, nowadays we build apps where nobody can keep the whole app in their head. And so you have to have, the organizational shortcuts. You have to have the concepts that are more or less built into the frameworks like components and routes and things like that. So that even if you don't understand everything that's going on in there, you can at least kind of um, stumble your way to the right place before too long and figure out where the problem exists or where the feature needs to go. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. I think when the, when tooling got better and, and to kind of, related back to an original point I had was the tooling I think was so bad in, in so many different domains. Uh, and it, that's not any kind of imputation on the people that worked right. on that. I think they, they just, it takes time to, to get anything great. And 
I think the web being so accessible to everybody in, in effectively having, you know, an operating system running in your browser and, and just being able to just drop into, in effect, a terminal, the console, um, that really, like, people pushed a lot of amazing stuff in there. And a lot of people stumbled on the same problems, you know, I had of, hey, why isn't this scale? Um, we have mutable state over here, and then something changes. The models have all this knowledge of other models. Okay, we, mm -hmm. we need to rethink this stuff like React and, and better patterns started emerging. And, you know, I think that was a really, uh, that was a really positive development for me and, you know, for anyone else. And I think, as I was describing, people now, I think, are really in a much better spot to start learning because some of these pitfalls, I, th I hope, are, are being avoided more now. Right. So. I'm curious then, how did you wind up at Google? <clears throat> so one of the things I wanted to do was after I built a pretty decent sized application, um, certainly not, not on my own, I had plenty of other people working with mm -hmm. me, but when I, I was, you know, it was five or six developers and I thought, you know, it would be wonderful to really up this to as big as possible. What, what does it look like to make really massive applications and systems, um, both in terms of, you know, just things on the front end, but all the way to the distributed systems and databases that power everything. I thought it'd be really cool to go join a place like that. And it, it, I think it seemed out of the question at the time to join Google, um, given my, my background or perhaps lack thereof. But um, I, I read a lot. I, I did, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, given the state of interviewing in the, in the industry, did a lot of practicing. Mm -hmm. And I focused pretty hard on, on making that my next step because I thought that would be where I want to see the, the kind of conclusion of this journey so far. Um, before I start my next one, whatever that may be, uh, about how do you build these huge, huge systems. Um, and that's, that's kind of what really started to inspire me and still inspires me today. Nice. So just, just practice and preparation, huh? Yeah, I, I would do, um, and I still do uh, for fun um, problems. It doesn't, not necessarily always algorithms, but um, that was one part of it. But uh, yeah, being able to explain my thinking, um, being able to reason about a problem from, like I was talking about first principles, being right. able to think about what, what, what exactly are the data structures, because that's, in effect, that's really probably the more important piece than the algorithms is, is how you structure the data. What, what data structures work for, for problems? And I think, you know, as, as a alluded to fortunately or unfortunately there's a performance aspect to this so just getting up and you know being at a whiteboard or a computer or you know podcast and just trying to explain my thinking and reasoning while trying to be calm and, and focused I think the confluence of all those things over probably the span of a year and a half I was devoted to doing that that that's what precipitated me being able to actually join a place like Google. Awesome. Um, I'm really just kind of fascinated with the whole journey and I'm curious, 
um, with all of the different things that you've done and been involved in and things like that. Um, what, what's kind of a major highlight for you in your career? That's a great question. Uh, I think a major highlight for me was probably, probably the point where I realized that I could just with my own experience that I had some value to, to be able to teach people. Um, I, I really enjoy doing that. When I was in college, before I really started on the actual college try of programming, I thought really deeply about being a professor, and I really enjoy contributing back. And so when I read through Clean Code, it was the second time in 2016, towards the end of that year, I thought, you know, my goodness, there's so many people like myself that didn't know how to apply a lot of these really perennial concepts. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hey, I should... I should just write something and I should write it in a medium that can be updated by others with their own experiences and their own ideas. And I think when I did that um, and I really started to try to push uh, teaching and showing my experiences, I think that was probably, has been the biggest highlight because it's, I think it's hopefully helped people grow. And I've certainly grown as, as someone who's more empathetic and someone who's a better communicator and, I, I want that to continue forever, no matter how long I'm in the industry. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, is there something you, that you've built that you're particularly proud of? Any software that you've, you've done that was challenging or rewarding in some way? Mm, yeah, I, I think outside of work, uh, because it's, I think it's difficult sometimes to talk about the work projects because there's so many people involved. Uh, right. I think, I think for me... You know, probably the latest thing that I did, uh, Intermock, that tool to generate fake data um, for TypeScript interfaces, I thought that was, that was such a great learning experience because I, I didn't realize I, I still had, and, and I still will have, so many holes in my knowledge and I didn't understand parsers and compilers very well. And so I went through the entire TypeScript uh, design spec and also, also JavaScript as well. And I learned all about how the AST is created, how things are like, you know, the Lexer works and things are tokenized. And it was really useful because I learned these, how some of these design patterns, like the visitor design pattern, I had learned at one point, I was like, how, how could that ever apply to anything? And then I, when I did this, this fake data generator, it, it immediately made sense. And it was, it's, you know, it's a pretty small application. It's, it's less than, you know, a thousand lines of actual pure app code. Um, but that, that, that was probably the most complex thing, certainly lately outside of work. And I, I think that's been, you know, such a good learning experience to reinvigorate my, my uh, passions and learning. Nice. Um, I believe we've, we've talked a little bit about what, what you're working on now. Uh, anything else you want to highlight? I think one thing that has been top of my mind lately is one of the best things I think people can do for themselves and their career is to, is to get more domain knowledge in something else outside of just tech. I think mm -hmm. people that are probably the most impactful have something else that comes together with programming. Uh, one of those things I like, which might, might sound a, a little bit boring to some folks, is uh, supply chain logistics. And that was something that I was working on at the last job where I built that large app. 
Um, but I, it's supply chains are why we have these microphones we're talking on now, these computers, which, you know, took 20,000, 30,000, however many suppliers and people just coordinating with each other, but indirectly. And these are these huge problems, these, and in fact, these massive graph problems of, mm-hmm. you know, going through depth first to like find uh, better pricing through weights and all the, all the other things that you'd find in the graph problem. Um, they, they really can, you can take your computing knowledge and, and apply it to these other domains. And I think if you're just focused on tech, that's totally fine. But I think if you want to have um, impact in other areas, I think, you know, spend some of your time just reading something else. Um, doesn't have to be, you know, totally tied to economics or anything like that or business, but there's so many other areas that, that can benefit. We're only, you know, 1% of the way there to transforming the world. And I think everybody has something they can give well outside of tech that can bring us further than 1%. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting too. I mean, you're mentioning the supply chain logistics and I think, uh, the thing that, made me think a little bit about it and I'm not going to get too political on this, but there has been some talk in the news about tariffs. And Mm -hmm. so understanding how the tariffs affect the supply chain logistics and things like that. um, It seems like a lot of times people are talking about issues that they don't completely understand or don't have a, at least a a passable understanding of all of the things that get involved in them. And so Mm -hmm. I, I love just the idea of understanding the world, understanding how this stuff works and then instead of throwing memes at each other, we can actually talk through these things and, and figure out, okay, this is how it actually works. Or maybe this is how we could gain more knowledge in this area. And then, you know, we're programmers, so we can model it. We can work through it. We can, you know, we can recreate parts of it in code and then see where we get and have actual conversations about this stuff. I just find that both fulfilling and fascinating. Very well said. Yes. I think that programming the, the best thing that it gives you is it gives you the tools to be able to think about very complex systems, to be able to mitigate problems in complex systems and in effect eventually create your own complex system and have huge, huge impacts on the world. Yep. hundred mm-hmm. percent. All right. Well, we're getting toward the end of our time. So I am going to push us toward picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Well, you know, I, in a somewhat, self-interested manner uh, talking about uh, Intermock, the tool that I was uh, working on. Um, I, I think I plan to add some support for potentially other schema uh, languages, um, probably proto buffs uh, going forward. But uh, I think that that's been a really fun tool for me. Um, as far as other tools, you know, I, I've, I've been for the last six months just looking at totally other things outside of tech. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know some of the latest and greatest stuff, but, um, I've been playing when I do have some time been playing with rust and, um, and Haskell, that's been helping me think about some lower level problems and some deep type system things that have helped me in, in all the other languages I work in. Um, so I, I encourage everyone to find another language. Um, if, uh, you know, there's something that interests you and it, it really will, no matter what, it'll help you in whatever language you're using on your job. Um, and then, you know, as far as other picks, I, I think reading uh, various fiction, nonfiction books to expand your knowledge. I've been reading a lot of stuff in economics, a lot of stuff in uh, history, stuff like Guns, Germs, and Steel. Those, those have been really good books. Sapiens has been awesome. And, um, you know, after uh, Game of Thrones, whatever 
you, you, you guys might think about that. Uh, I now on the new show has been watching Chernobyl. That's been quite, quite good. Um, and yeah, I think, I think, uh, I'll probably get back sometime this summer to reading some more technical things, but I've been really enjoying not thinking about tech all the time. Nice. I've heard really good things about Chernobyl. And of course, mm-hmm. everybody's talking about Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's some good memes. I I still like to like to participate in in that pop culture. But uh, yeah, I think Chernobyl's been that that's been a fun one for me. Nice. I'm gonna jump in here with um, maybe something a little bit more, uh, I guess, direct as far as the problem goes. Um, I have been working on re uh, redoing the DevChat.tv website, basically to make it easier for people to get the information they want and and find what they're looking for. And uh, also, um, by virtue of the way that I'm doing it, I'm getting a huge amount of performance boost and things like that. So um, over the last several years, um, devchat.tv has been hosted on WordPress. Um, In fact, each show had its own WordPress setup, and then we moved it all to a custom Rails application. Um, I got tired of maintaining the Rails application, so I moved it all back to WordPress, but I put it all on one WordPress site. And the WordPress site has just gotten crazy uh, to maintain. And I've, you know, I've had to write custom code in PHP in order to make it work, uh, create custom post types and stuff like that. Um, and I was playing around with um, the idea of moving it to a static site. And so that's kind of what I've done. So I've been pulling things together there and I'm just going to throw together some of the systems that I'm using there to make it work. So um, I'm hosting the code on GitLab. No, on GitHub. It is on GitHub. So um, we are, uh, we'll be on GitHub there. And then, um, and you can actually do pull requests and stuff too. I've had a few people come to me and say, I wish I could just fix the typos. And so, yeah, now you can do that with pull requests. Um, and I'll put a link to the, the repo in the show notes. And then um, I am also using a static site generator called Eleventy. It's written in JavaScript. And uh, I'm really, really digging it. It's, it's pretty nice. Um, I've had a few things that I wish it had. It would, you know, maybe a little, being a little bit more fully featured, but I'm pretty happy with it. And then I'm hosting it on Netlify. Um, now, Netlify is a sponsor of several of the shows, full disclosure, but I freaking love what they've got. And so uh, I've, I've been using that. I've been uh, playing with it a bit. Um, by virtue of the sponsorship, I also get to try out some of their new and upcoming features. And uh, I'm pretty excited about some of the stuff coming down the pipe that, you know, I can't really talk about at the moment. Um, But also Netlify Dev, which is a command line tool. Oh my gosh, I just, I can't even um, tell you how much I like it. So I'm going to pick all of that stuff. Um, I have a few other things I'm using Discuss for my comments, which means that I just embed JavaScript on it. So static site, you know, that's all great. Um, I have found a couple of other marketing tools that I'm going to be pulling in. But yeah, all in all, I am super happy with it. And so um, anyway, go, go check out all of those tools. Um, one last question, Ryan. How do people find you if they want to connect with you online? Yeah, I'm available on Twitter. I don't, I don't post as much anymore, but you know, feel free to reach out to me. My handle is Rikonoclast. Um, and I'm also on GitHub, uh, as I mentioned, with some of my projects. That's github.com slash Ryan McDermott. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, folks. Uh, Thanks for coming, Ryan. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. All right. Well, we will catch everybody next week. 
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.